I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted 2.0. Fun show, as always. Different. Different. How many shows have you heard where someone's talked about the fitness lawsuits they have worked in? Oh, that's the topic of today's show. I'm going to bring you six of many. Six really interesting ones that I served as a fitness expert in for. And I've worked both sides. I've worked for the plaintiff side and I've worked for the defendant side. All having to do with fitness in some regard, as you'll see. One that I'm going to talk about, I think the last one uh, was an event, a race. But this is one of the reasons why. So many years ago, when I decided to make my passion my vocation, I said I'm going to get as much education and as much experience as possible, and I'm never going to stop doing either, which is why I just finished that graduate certificate at Harvard Extension School in human behavior. I want to separate myself from the field. I want to be really good, wanted to be really good and still do at what I do. I want the credibility. That's the word. Credibility with everyone. Back when I was training clients, credibility with them, credibility with the uh, companies I've worked with. And then in this specific case, pun intended, credibility so that I can be considered an expert. And guess what? When you are deciding to make fitness your vocation, as many, you know, I got listeners from all different areas, people who are, you know, trying to get information and people who are in the business, in the business as well. And so I wanted so many different revenue streams. This was not one I set out to get. This wasn't on the radar back in the day. And I'll tell you how I got into it shortly, but it pays really well. (laughs) It's what I'm trying to get to. All right. You get paid to read depositions. That's how it starts. You get paid for the phone calls with the lawyers, and then you get paid to be deposed. And if you go to court, you get paid to go to court. You set your own rate, but it's a, it, you should set it pretty high. <laughs> These are lawsuits. These are legal you know, uh, issues that the lawyers get paid a lot and the experts get paid a lot, okay? But you have to be worth it. You have to earn the privilege, the right to do this. And it's fun. I I, got to be honest. You know, it is sitting and reading these depositions uh, in my office. It's it's just, it's fun. And it's interesting. And you read these over and over and you think this trainer couldn't have been this I don't want to be harsh. Couldn't, couldn't, well, couldn't have been this stupid in so many different ways. And sometimes, as you'll see, uh, the trainer didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they just lied. And then there's race directors and then there's gyms that I'll talk about. So this goes to the trainers. This goes to the gym owners. This goes to the race directors. I have worked on uh, many cases in all those three areas and others as well, fitness related. And it's amazing for me to think back to when I first started and I couldn't get promoted. I worked at one gym. Oh, 
The one, the one I spent the most time at. I've worked at them all. But back in the day, there was level one, level two, level three. Let me just vent for a second. And talk about like, it's just a sketchy business as I will talk about. I don't want to give away too much. I'm going to save it. But at this gym, level one trainer, you know, entry level, essentially, you basically had one certification. Hopefully many didn't. Uh, level two, more certifications, more experience. Level three, more certifications, more experience. I got to level two and was never promoted and was way more experienced at the end than all the other trainers and the fitness manager, personal training manager as well, which is one of the reasons they, they don't promote you is you are actually, you know, your competition, but that's the business. So in listening to this show, you are going to learn a lot. There are going to be takeaways from every single case I talk about. And again, I'm going to do six. So I'm just going to spend a couple minutes on each. I'm going to keep it vague, even though I'm not, you know, I can talk about these. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to keep it as vague as possible. So you wouldn't be able to uh, assign it to the specific case. And they're pretty generic in and of themselves, which is sad. But that's, again, what you're going to learn if you're someone who works with a trainer. If you are a trainer, if you do races, all these things, you can learn. Okay? How it all started for me, I was teaching at many different clubs. And one of the people who took one of my classes, it was a spin class, group cycling class, was a lawyer. And she had a case, the first case I ever worked on. And I was no longer teaching at the time, if, I, if memory serves. And she contacted me and said, hey, I got this case. And so that's the first case, all right? That's the first case. I'm calling this squawk on wrong. <laughs> so this was, again, I'm going to keep this as vague as possible. This was an incident in a gym where a person got hurt. And this person was doing a, what I would call a CrossFit type workout. There were kettlebell swings, box jumps, and squats done in, you know, round fashion, circuit fashion. And essentially this person got two, I think it was the third or fourth set of squats and someone in the gym saw them struggling to do it, to get up. And so this person went over and helped. And the person squatting broke their arm in several places. You're not going to even, like, can you guess what the lawsuit was? You're going to guess wrong. The person who got hurt, whose arm was broken, sued the person who helped. Stating that if that person hadn't helped, they wouldn't have broken their arm, that they had it, that they didn't need the help. The person who helped did not work for the gym, people. Just helping. Good Samaritan of sorts. Okay? Crazy. I represented the Good Samaritan, the person who helped. Okay? I don't want to give many more specifics than that. But talk about, oh my gosh, when I tell people the specifics of this case, you know, you think, well, again, Good Samaritan, like CPR, right? That's what you learn way back in the day. You can't get in trouble for trying to help. Here you can. 
Here you can. And this was, again, my first case. And out of the six I'm going to bring you or, yeah, bring to you, talk to you about today, two, I believe I was actually deposed. So many of these settle, most of these settle before going to court. Many of them settle pretty early on. And this one, though, is my first one and I got deposed, which means I have to go and get questioned to death by the opposing lawyer. And when you're a fitness expert, they reveal once the uh, law firm you're working with decides that they are bringing you on as an expert, that you have a bio, a CV, and they reveal that to the other side. And then the other side looks up all that you have ever done. And this is going to be a big takeaway for you trainers out there too. Okay. And so this one was interesting in that I learned for the first time that most lawyers don't know anything about fitness, which was interesting. Uh, and during the deposition, you know, they ask you these questions. They try to trip you up. They went through my books. They went through videos. They went through TV appearances. They went through social media. They go through everything. People did not try to discredit you and to show that you are not consistent in your approach, in your, the way you do your business, in your methodology, in what you believe in. And this was one of the greatest experiences for me because I've said this many times before and it's true. It's true. It's proven here in like one of the most uh, perfect situations. I've always been consistent. I've always, my philosophy towards everything that I bring to you every week and have done so for years is the same. I've always lifted weights the same. Now I've learned and you, you get better and you modify, but when it comes to the science that I've learned, I have never jumped on a fad, ridiculous anything. There is nothing that you can find and they look that would contradict that. Now, yeah, you know, I've, I've written some articles where I go, mm, I wish I didn't word it that way, but it was all based in science. All of it, even back to that first opportunity I've spoken about where I had the opportunity to be on TV, major TV show, but it wasn't my philosophy. It was someone else's book that was not based in science. And they said, we want you to come on and basically support this book and, and the ideas, the exercise, the fitness concepts in it. I said, I, I can't talk about that, but I'll talk about this other thing related. And they said, no. And I said, well, then I'm not coming on. And so I've always been consistent. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. And you should know that. Again, there's learning. But when you start and you get certified and you keep getting certified, I didn't get one certification. I got all the top ones and I'm still learning. That's the goal. Is to be as knowledgeable. This is not selling shoes. This is about our health. This is about our longevity. And I take that really seriously. And now this is, again, <laughs> living proof. Because these lawyers try to poke holes in everything. And this was a great experience. Listen, it's scary, <laughs> you know, to, to some degree. I still enjoyed the deposition part as well because I had nothing to hide. And I've never taken a case and I've turned, I've turned them down. I don't even, you don't even really turn them down, but the lawyer will reach out, say, here's the case. 
you give your side of it. And if it doesn't align with what they want, then you don't get a call back. And that's fine. And as I'll talk about in another uh, one of these cases, you know, I've gone up against people who are career fitness experts. And I use that term loosely. All right. So that was the first one. Uh, they settled. They settled for a fraction of what they wanted. That all, And it almost went to trial. This was the closest I've come. They, were, they set a date. And... <laughs> the pauses in this show are going to be because I'm really, uh, even I've got copious notes, but uh, uh, deciding what I can and cannot say. Uh, let's put it this way. I'll leave you with this. Uh, I rolled the dice and I was doing my first Ironman Hawaii and the trial was going to take place during that. I was on my way to Hawaii when they said uh, they settled. I was like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Oh, all right. Enough of that one. Second one, I call this BOSU. Do you know what BOSU is? And this is really interesting. And do you know what it stands for? Because that goes right to the incredible facts of this case. So BOSU is that basically big ball cut in half, right? It's usually blue. It's like a balloon, big, and it's black generally and flat. It's black on the flat side. BOSU stands for, at least it did back in the day, both sides up. The B and the O are for both, both S-U sides up. Well, <laughs> and I've learned a lot about the BOSU after these type of cases. If you look at the newest ones, on the flat side, it says not recommended for use on the side. And you're like, wait a minute. Is it both sides up or isn't it? Now, when I use them, I use the flat side up. I don't like standing in the middle. I think, you know, there's there's applications for it. Many people do it. I want to go deep into that. But yeah, I use the flat side for balance. Usually one or two leg uh, exercises done in many different ways. Literally stands for both sides up. They recommend you don't use the uh, stand on the flat side. In this case, a person was working with a trainer and the... No, plaintiff said that, so the, the client said that the trainer placed them on the flat side and then they fell off. Literally picked them up and put them on the flat side and they fell off. I found that part hard to believe. I've never seen a trainer pick someone up and place them down in all my years, nor have I ever come close to doing it. And by the way, people, it's not in my notes here, but um, trainers, you should rarely touch your clients. I mean, there's a time and a place and you need to ask. That's something to uh, really be aware of. I've seen way too much of that over the years. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. At the very least, you always ask. But again, this, this, there's a lot in this case that didn't sound right. And I was representing the trainer and the gym. Uh, and this was, like many of these cases, by the way, you don't know what happens. <laughs> if you don't, you know, uh, go to trial, the law firm doesn't have to reach out and tell you what happened. But in this one, what is uh, a really interesting takeaway, many of you may know it, most of you probably um, confused about it. 
the waiver. So this client signed the waiver at the gym saying they wouldn't sue. You know, neg, neg, uh, yeah, we, they wouldn't sue. Unless there was negligence. I don't want to go into that. That's why I stopped. Um, but the waiver, even though you have to have them if you're a gym and I owned a gym for a certain amount of time and I've done this camp on Nantucket where they sign waivers, what you learn is, yeah, they have to sign a waiver and no, it doesn't prevent them from suing. That's the business side, all right? But just be careful if you're a client, and this is where I'm gonna get to also towards the end, you can always say no. Even though, again, the specifics of this case I found questionable, um, you can always say no. And you can always have things to hold on and balance with, right? Many times that I did certain things with clients back in the day, I would either have them hold on to something that was sturdy for balance, I would make sure that there was you know, a clear area if they needed to step off, could. This is why you don't put a treadmill, by the way, with the back, you know, it needs to be a certain number of feet away from the wall, legally, many things you learn. And if you have one in your home, you don't wanna go shooting off the back when it's really close to the wall. Now, I know many people have, Limited space, but something you need to know. <laughs> Going all way outside my notes here. All right. Enough with that one. But Bosu just shows the goofiness of the fitness industry, right? Both sides up. Yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we call it this, but we don't want you to. We don't really recommend you do it this way. Talk about confusing, right? All right. Calling this one number three boot camp and bands. This one really. Uh, is all about well, many things, but social media and certifications. That's what I should call it. And basically, it was a boot camp. Two people holding an early morning boot camp where it was a bunch of stations and someone got hurt. So I was representing the person who got hurt, almost blinded. And it was because a resistance band snapped. Now, Many different facts of this case. Again, going to keep it kind of surfacey, but the resistance band was not being used in the right way. And it broke and it hit this person in the face, in the eye. Now, what's really interesting about this case, several things, uh, the trainers were not certified. Although I take it back, yes, they had one. One of them had one, a kettlebell certification. That was it. That was it. And when I got to pose for this one as well, two lawyers at the same time. And when I brought up the fact that we got to the topic of certifications and I said, you know, they're not qualified. They're not certified. And the, one of the lawyers said, well, they have a kettlebell certification. I said, yeah, that's a specialty certification. That's on top of ACSM or NASM or NSCA, ACE. You get the certification personal trainer first, then you get, TRX or kettlebell or group cycling. That's the order of operations, okay? Uh, this uh, line stuck with me to this day, what they asked and what I replied. This is verbatim. So the lawyer said, well, is it law? Is it you know, state or federal law that you need to be certified to be a trainer legally? And I said, no. And like, then why would you get certified? And I said, so you don't end up here. So you don't hurt people. Does a certification guarantee? Absolutely not. But there's so many unqualified people 
working with people who have heart issues. I mean, let's just talk about like, <laughs> like the, the extreme end of the spectrum, right? Like really important medical issues. And then you've got all this crazy equipment and you've got all the stuff people see on social media now. And it's the wild west. It was crazy back then when I first started doing these cases. Now it's even crazier. Let me just get to the social media part really quickly. So for those of you trainers and those of you in general <laughs> uh, who are posting things, that's evidence. So these trainers, uh, it was like a five or six, a, I think it was a 5 a.m. boot camp class. And so they were asked, did you go out the night before? No. Did you go out the night before? No. You read in the deposition, you're like, really? Did you go out the night before? No. Uh, what if we showed you a tweet that, oh my gosh, you know, we're at this great bar, it's 2 a.m. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot. Okay, did you have drinks? No. Did you have drinks? Well, we had one or two. Really, if I showed you this bar bill with X number, on and on and on. And then what time did you get home? Oh, we left the bar at 12.30. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. If a lawyer keeps asking you if you're sure, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, and they said, okay, if we show you this social media post where you, it's 4am and you're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that so-and-so from so-and-so band just walked in the door. They're like, oh yeah, you're, yeah, we were there that late. So not only (laughs) everything will be found out. You tell the truth people. I mean, that, that's where it's just stupidity beyond belief. And let me say this, the takeaways Those of you who are trainers and are posting videos of your clients, be darn sure that you stand behind and stand behind what they're doing and the safety and the, you know, um, attending behavior you're giving or not giving. Just know that everything you post is essentially evidence. It's really important. I have friends who run gyms now and I'm like, you have to look at what your trainers are posting because some of it's crazy stuff. And that's evidence. Even if you delete it, you can't delete anything. They can find it. All right? Uh, One really important takeaway with bands. This is where you're going to learn a lot of stuff. When I use bands, now they were using a band that was way too thin for what they were doing and too far away and the wrong exercise, all these things. But when I use bands, I never pull them towards my face and I always assume they're going to break. And if you have to do a movement where... If it broke, it's going to come towards your face. You put your head down. You always assume that band is going to break. So when you are pulling, if you're doing back rows, I mean, this doesn't lend itself a podcast to like describing um, all the different movements, but the short of it is assume it's going to break. Where is it going to end up? Okay. And you should check your bands if you use them, by the way, or if you use them at the gym, you know, look, see, is there a little cut in it? Check them every now and again. But if you always assume it's going to break, you're never going to be getting hit in the eye. All right? And again, now you don't know what you don't know. Like the lawyers, once again, if you're ever asked to do something in a boot camp class, by a trainer, in a group exercise class, whatever it is, and it doesn't feel right or you're worried about it, don't do it. Do something else. All right? Do something else. Uh, Stretching the truth. This one was a little weird. This one was a person who had a pre-existing injury, kind of a lower body injury, went to 
the most qualified uh, trainers. They're actually exercise physiologists um, that I've uh, seen in a lawsuit. And they helped this guy and gave him some stretches, stretched him, some exercise, and he sued. Said they hurt him more. That they shouldn't have done this exercise. I don't want to spend too much time on this one. This one <laughs> annoyed me on several levels. I represented them, the uh, trainers in the gym. And one of the things this person said was they used a stretch that shouldn't ever be done. <laughs> and all I did was grab my textbooks and not all I did, but one of the things I did, pretty powerful, and make copies of that stretch and how it is done and how it's done correctly and what it's used for. And again, like these, many of these people don't know what they don't know. And this is another reason, by the way, I keep all my textbooks. I, I want books. Rarely will I ever get something digital. And it's usually just so I can, you know, read it on the road. And then I'm going to buy the hard copy. My library is full, like overflowing. And every Christmas, as I've talked about, I get three more. My wife gets me three more books. One sports psychology, one nutrition, and one exercise science. And it's usually just repeating the same stuff over and over again, but you learn it that much better. There's certain changes, different examples. You get that much better at the information. And this was the case where I first came up against, because uh, you get to see oftentimes the, um, the fitness expert who you're up against. And this person was like 150 cases. And they do ask. Like, uh, you know, is this like the major source of your revenue? It's by no means the major source of my revenue. This person, absolutely. And you could just look at this and say, this person's never turned down a case. Not cool. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. All right. Let's wrap this up here. Two more. Uh, spinning out of control. For those of you who do group cycling, this was, this happens frequently. And this was someone who was in a group uh, exercise class, cycling class, and was asked to do a goofy move. I'm going to leave it at that. A goofy move. Something I say you shouldn't do on a bike. I don't care if it's stationary. And they fell. And the wheel kept spinning, people. And really injured their leg. Now, Depending on the bike you use, it's generally a weighted wheel of different weights. This goes to torque and biomechanics, but it keeps spinning. If you don't press down on that brake, again, I'm, there's many different bikes out there, but generally speaking, weighted wheel, push down to stop the wheel from spinning. But this person fell off, didn't have time to press down, was doing a move that I wouldn't and never did when I taught. And there's no like real physiological reason to do it other than like a dancey thing, the way it looks. You see this all the time on social media. Now, these instructors and this one as well, just like trainers, you don't have to be certified. Most are not. They go through an audition. I've done it. I've auditioned. And many of these places, including this one, have in-house, quote unquote, certifications. And the incredible thing is you can't find a copy of it. At least I couldn't for this one. We couldn't. And so, once again, just because, you know, uh, the, the class is packed, it's generally, oftentimes,
times inversely proportional to the level of expertise that that trainer slash instructor has. And if you feel I'm being harsh on the industry, tough. I'm sorry. You got, we're not, we're not, do no harm, <laughs> right? Be qualified to do what you do, all right? We're all beginners at the start. I was too, but I knew that I was going to keep <laughs> uh, studying. I was going to keep learning and I was going to do no harm, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> That's like force Gump. That's all I'm going to say about that. Finally, interesting one, little outside what I've been talking about. We got gyms and trainers. This was an event, but really important to talk about. Done many of these as well. And this is another reason I compete to this day, actually. Today, three years ago today, I was going to the Grand Canyon to do my first rim-to-rim-to-rim run. And I get called on to do these type of lawsuits as well because I've done a ridiculous number of races all over the world. Every continent that you can, except uh, Antarctica. There's a great documentary about someone. I thought of it, doing an Ironman there, guy guy did it. I had no intention of swimming in the water that he did. I would have brought a pool. <laughs> but I digress. But it's because of the experience. So it's about education and experience. That's who you want as your trainer, as your group exercise instructor. Do they walk the walk or do they, you know, and listen, there's, there's some great instructors who obviously don't even own a bike, haven't done a, you know, triathlon, road race, anything. That's fine, but you better be qualified and you better not hurt people. And so this uh, was a triathlon where, as many of these events uh, are, the, the, the course was half open. <laughs> in other words, there were cars on the course, and in this instance, a truck. And so this really experienced athlete swerved to avoid a truck, got really hurt. These are tricky event, uh, cases. I've done, again, uh, I could do five hours and not even come, uh, not even scratch the surface on the crazy events that I've done around the world. And I've talked about many of them. Ironman Brazil doesn't even exist. It was the most, one of, well, yeah, if I had to pick one as the most dangerous, that was the one. Ironman Brazil, Fortaleza. There's only 300 people. That should have told me something because usually it's 1,500 to 2,500 now. It was so windy. The conditions were brutal. It was a really dangerous area. And uh, we biked on the highway. They, it was a two-lane highway. They had cones going down the middle. There were cars on the right. It was out and back, out and back. When we were going back out for the second loop, if you want to call it, all the pylons were gone. They just run them over. And so now I had cars going by me 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour. That's just one of like um, so many races. Ironman Malaysia, they ran out of water bottles in Malaysia on the bike, ran out of water bottles. And as many of you triathletes know, you throw the water bottle away as you're coming into the aid station and you get a new one. No, they ran out. So you had to go back if you could get it. And then refill, I'm crazy. And then for the food, instead of having power gels, they had plastic bags with some kind of fruit in it. Just dangerous and not great for nutrition. But this is a great lesson. I, I knew what I was getting into there. I mean, I didn't know they'd run out of water bottles, but I knew it was not going to be what I was used to in the States. And so there's a lot of lawsuits. Some, you know, rightfully so in these instances, but regardless, 
when you do events, I don't care if it's United States or abroad, get as much information, read the booklet, go to the meetings if they have them, watch the videos, but you're ultimately on your own. You have to make good choices. When you go through intersections, I've been through so many intersections where there's a traffic cop and sometimes they let people through that they shouldn't, cars and whatever. You have to always err on the side of caution. You have to always be on alert. And when you're doing events that are really tiring, it gets dangerous. But again, you know, there's volunteers and there's cops and you're still going to hear things gone wrong. So you control what you can, which is knowing as much as you can, being as smart as you can. And listen, I, I get it. For those of you who want to go fast, I want to go fast too. Uh, depending on what stage of my life and which race I'm doing, but never at the expense of getting really hurt or killed. Got to be careful. Control what we can. Can't control everything, all right? But you can control the information and things like that and making good choices when you can, okay? So many stories. That's it. Kind of interesting, right? Waivers, sign them. <laughs> But know that you still can sue if you feel you should. And if you're someone who makes the waivers, you're a trainer or... By the way, trainers better have insurance. That's a, oh my gosh. Almost forgot to say that. It costs next to nothing. $100 and change, pretty much, for a year of insurance. Group exercise, personal trainers, get your insurance. Okay? LLC, form an LLC. These are all ways to protect yourselves. But you know what? Also do the right thing. Doesn't mean you're not going to get sued. But if you have insurance and you're educated, you're generally not going to make the mistakes that so many of these people did. And these are just a couple of the lawsuits. So many. And know that everything you post, write, talk about is out there. That's why I'm so cautious with this podcast and everything else. I always assume everything I say, some legal assistant will listen to when they're trying to trip me up. I had one with the bands, back to that case. They came in and showed me, they had pictures, still shots of me on TV uh, doing a workout routine with bands. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And they're like, well... And I was like, I use resistance bands. I just don't use them incorrectly the way these two trainers did. I didn't use the wrong bands in the wrong way. And I was certified. So I pretty much knew what I should be doing with them and the right way to use them. And so like even, let me just be, I just posted something about me doing squats on a stability ball. That's like the, and I thought long and hard, do I do this? Do I show it? And of course, <laughs> I got to put more content out there. That's extreme. I would never do that with a client ever. I do it for myself. And you know what? If a, it probably will come up sometime soon now. We'll be in a lawsuit and someone will bring that up. I'll go, yeah, I do it myself. And I, I worked up to it, took a long time. And I used many safety. You're seeing the end result. You're, you're not seeing all the work that went up to it. You're seeing the end result of that. And there was a safety bar in front of me. But the number, well, yeah, the number of comments, I got like stupid. Yeah. 
maybe, you know, yeah, if you're not qualified, if you didn't um, build up to it, if you don't have the place clear, if you do fall and know how to fall, there's always risk in something I mitigate, you know, decrease the risk, everything. That goes for the exercises I bring you. How many times do I talk about, like the show I did recently, eight exercises I, I don't do, cost benefit. But squats on a stability ball, that was fun. I built up to it. And you know what? When I get to that point, and that's generally before I am doing a race where I want to go fast, that's what keeps me injury free. When I have the strength, the requisite strength to do that type of stuff, by the way, Bodie Miller, skiers, bunch of people do them as well. When I have that requisite strength, I don't get hurt running, biking, the typical overuse injuries, and it makes me faster and things like that. All right? Enough. I already went over. (laughs) Uh, Be careful. Be careful. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Try to work with people who are qualified. Really hard to know. You don't know when you walk into a class. Not like you're going to ask for a resume. But when something doesn't feel right and you're not at the right level, it's too heavy, it's too complicated, too advanced, sit it out, ask for modification. And if you're a trainer, group exercise instructor, take this business seriously. And the more credibility and the more experience and education you have, if you're not already, you can do this too. But we need much more in this industry. And by the way, I've lost so many jobs. I mean, back to being a trainer and not being promoted. It's a double-edged sword when you have a certain amount of education and experience. But I don't care. I'm going to continue to do that, right? So I can bring you the best information. Why? Because it matters. All right. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed that. Trying to bring you different things. Back two shows a week, maybe more. We'll see. I'm going to say two for now. Uh, Tom H. Fit, Instagram. You can see me doing the stability ball uh, squats and tell me I'm stupid. Uh, Tom H. Fit is Twitter, teamholland.com or fitnessdisrupted.com is a website. Uh, I'm going to start doing more uh, online consultations. So you can go to the website and learn about that. 15 minute increments. Any questions you have, coaching, nutrition, motivation, exercise, human performance, uh, one-on-one, we can do that if you're so inclined. What else? Uh, All the books are there. The micro workout plan is the most recent. uh, Oh, and the YouTube channel. That's the new thing that I'm really putting a lot of content. So many workouts there, all free. Just subscribe. Greatly appreciated. Tom Holland Fitness. All right. Remember, there's three things we all control. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our state of mind, and that is awesome. All right. That's it. (laughs) All right. I'm going to leave you with Jack Lane. Someone I looked up to. He's who I modeled myself after because he was the real deal. He also went by the science. He's so far ahead of the game. It was crazy. Could not believe that I got to interview him for a full hour many years ago. (sighs) The basics. Nothing. You look at his career too. Didn't jump on any bandwagons. It was the basics. Good nutrition consistency of exercise, some cardio, some strength, do all those things consistently, excessive moderation, people. All right, here you go, Jack Lane. Have a great day and believe in yourself. I hope that each and every one of you wonderful people that are listening to Tom's great show 
will do something for the most important person on this earth, you.